Well, good morning again. Welcome. Good to see you. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you also. We hope we have an opportunity to say hello to you on the way out the door later on. But uh, it's good to see everyone. A couple of announcements that I'd just like to point out. Uh, one for the Fortuna Community Group is still meeting on Tuesday nights. If you are already attending that, and you're not sure if on a particular Tuesday night, if it's meeting, call Grant or Bob to uh, just double check before you head there. I know uh, the Hapgoods have been uh, feeling poorly over the last week or so, but he said uh, just today that they are still meeting. So I'm assuming this Tuesday they will be meeting. But if you ever have a question or you want to find out about the community group, call Grant or Bob and, and uh, they'll give you the the information about where to meet and what they're studying. Women of the Word is on summer break until September, so we'll put the word out on the calendar and start announcing it as we're getting a little closer to uh, starting up the new season or the new session. And uh, just wanted to uh, remind you, I know the, the uh, slide that we have up just speaks about giving online. Uh, you don't have to give online. Uh, probably ought to get a little better slide. Uh, but we are stopping, uh, actually passing the plate around during the service. Uh, we would like you to, uh, especially if you call uh, Redwood Christian Fellowship your church home, uh, you should be a regular giver. And the opportunities that we have for you is you can go online, and there's different modes uh, that you can use to give that way. We have an offering box on the wall here. You can drop a check in there or money in there if you'd like or you can mail it in. Uh, it doesn't matter which way you do it. But uh, we do encourage you to give regularly and, uh, and uh, give what the Lord uh, has you to give. Uh, one thing with the online giving, though, that I, I kind of thought about this morning, um, one of the ways you can give is with a credit card. And uh, do not ever give with a credit card or use your credit card if you are struggling or having to carry credit or anything like that. That is not what that's for. Um, we don't encourage that. There are other ways to do it, including using the offering box. But uh, So if you do online, uh, just do it wisely. Be good stewards, and that means uh, um, in all manner. So just thought I'd point that out to you. Uh, a couple prayer uh, needs that I'd like to bring up. We've been dealing with a lot of uh, sickness in the different families around the church. Some of it has been COVID. Some of it has been recovering from surgery uh, and, and then some other illnesses. Um, Bob is not here today. He's He should be back next week. I'm anticipating. He said he is feeling better. He's just, I think, weak. Um, so uh, just pray for those that uh, are recovering from different illnesses and surgeries. And we pray for protection of our families. Um, you know, we... Uh, seem to have a pretty um, contagious bug going around right now, and a lot of people are getting it, and just pray that God will protect our families, and if we do end up getting it, just that it will be a mild case and uh, be able to recover from it. Uh, I know that a few friends of ours have been struggling through uh, the sicknesses they've been dealing with. So, um, And then just keep our shut-ins, uh, Jan, Alton, uh, Jackie, um, I think that's primarily our, our shut-ins right now. Um, Joanne, 
who uh, is actually uh, now living out in Blocksburg. Is that where she's at? Bridgeville. Um, and she comes in once a week, but she's actually doing much better and is not necessarily a shut-in, but she is living with one of her daughters out in uh, the East County. So, And has actually been doing uh, very well from what we've been seeing. So, so let's uh, take these to prayer, and then we'll get started this morning with our, our uh, text. Father, again, we come to you, and Lord, we want to come and, and thank you. We want to come and worship you today. We want to come and, and uh, be visited by your Holy Spirit today in this house. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for, all the things that you bless us with, our health, our jobs, our families, our uh, our church home, our just so many things, Lord, that you give us, and many times we take them for granted. Lord, we we do thank you for these. We thank you that you love us so much, that you provide for us as you your word says you will, that we lack for nothing that we really need. And Lord, we just pray that uh, as we go through our week, that you'll help us to reflect upon the things that you bless us with and the things that you do for us, and that we'll be reminded to thank you for those this week. Lord, we pray for the many families and individuals that are dealing with sickness, COVID or flu bugs or allergies or whatever's going on. A few people, Ted, recovering from surgery. and um, Lord, we just lift them up to you and ask that you will heal them, heal their bodies, help them recover their strength. We pray for a quick recovery of the surgeries that uh, like Ted and, and Lee have been dealing with that they'll be able to uh, get back up and going quickly. And Lord, we do pray for protection of our families, asking that you will uh, stop this bug from spreading and, and for the people who end up getting it, that it will be a mild case and that they will cover without any complications. Lord, we thank you that you are the great physician and that you have this in your control and we just ask that you will uh, protect your, your children, protect your people. We pray for our shut-ins. We pray for Jackie. We pray for, for Lee and, and Jan and Joanne, Father, and we just lift them up to you and ask, Lord, that you will bless them, that you will provide for them, that you'll keep them and comfort them, and help us, Lord, as their extended church family, to remember to pray for them, remember to reach out to them occasionally and encourage them as they many times have encouraged us, and we thank you for that. Lord, we pray for the message today. We pray for this this uh, book, this new series we're going through on Daniel, and just ask, Lord, that you will uh, be with us, give us insight into your word and in this text, and help us to be able to see things in Daniel that we can use in our everyday life, Lord, and, and be able to uh, be stronger believers because of the time we spend in this book. And we just pray that you be with me today. Give me the words to speak. Help me to speak with clarity and with truth. 
And I pray that your word will go out and accomplish everything it is that you want it to accomplish today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, I I do have the pleasure of this morning of beginning our new series that we'll be doing for, um, I I think, a couple months. And um, it's on the Old Testament book of Daniel. You might ask, why should this book about some Jewish guy named Daniel in a land a long way from here and Many centuries ago, why should we be interested today in America about this book and this person? Well, I hope to be able to address that. First, it is a book of the Bible. And we should read and study all the books of the Bible, the whole canon of Scripture, because it is God's Word. And we're told in 1 Peter 2, among other scriptures, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And it's speaking about God's word. And then a well-known verse, I think that if you've been in church any length of time in your life, you'll recognize this in Psalm 119 where we're told that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In short, as a Christian, we need it. It's the spiritual food for our souls. And just like the book of Romans, just like the Gospels, just like all the other books that may jump to mind, Daniel and the other Old Testament books are just as important to us as spiritual food. Secondly, Daniel has some very important theological themes in its pages, such as the sovereignty of God, the self-destructive pride of humankind, the ultimate victory of God's kingdom, and the coming of the Messiah. But I believe that the, the most important theme in Daniel to me, in the lessons that we see in Daniel, provides us is concerning the the sovereign control of God over the affairs of all leaders and nations and their final replacement in the future by the true King Jesus. And lastly, it's a biblical account of God's faithfulness and provision for his children. In this case, the um, Israelites even when they're living in uncertain times, which as we read through Daniel, you'll see what we mean by that, such as what Daniel and the Jews were doing in Babylon, very uncertain times. And to place it for us and understand it better for us is we too are dealing with a lot of stressful events and a lot of uncertainties in our nation and around our world. And I think we can learn from Daniel and how they dealt with their experiences, how it could help us to deal with ours. In Daniel, we are reminded 
that in the midst of whatever turmoil we may face, and we do face lots of turmoil, if you're a believer, there's no promise that you won't deal with turmoil and strife and difficulties in life. In fact, at times, it seems like it may be coming even more often than, than not. But we're reminded that in the midst of whatever turmoil we face, God reigns. The theme running through the whole book of Daniel is that the fortunes of kings and the affairs of men are subject to God's decrees and that he is able to accomplish his will regardless of the most determined opposition of the mightiest nation on earth, which at the time of Daniel, that's who they were dealing with. I added this morning, we're just trying to relate more to us, Putin, Zing, and others that we can name, other despots and dictators around the world that seem to be causing all the conflict and concern uh, for us in the world and the world peace. There any of them or any others that you might be able to name cannot do anything that will interfere with God accomplishing his purposes and his will. Nothing. And this should be a great source of assurance and hope and certainty to his children today as it was to Daniel. God is sovereign. Just a little background to help us understand the circumstances that we will read about in Daniel. At the time in world history, these events are taking place, which is around 605 B.C. The nation of Israel had already been divided into two nations, into two countries. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And I spend a very brief moment on this just because there may be some here who don't know this history. And I just want you to understand some of this. Both kingdoms, though, were already a moral and spiritual mess. If you remember any of the history of Israel, it had many kings ruling over it from the time when they started appointing kings. Some of them were identified as being good and following God and following his law and leading the people into following God and worshiping God. But many of them were identified as being evil and sometimes even more evil than their predecessor and leading the people away from worshiping God and following his law. The country became more and more secular and followed after the neighboring nations by worshiping false gods and envying what they were doing in other nations around them and wanting to follow them very much like what we in America and American society seems to want to do with trying to be like Europe or be like some other country or some other region of the world. And they were living very sinful lives. Instead of living as a child of God, they were living as a child of the world. 
Because of the sins of the people and their rejection of God, they were punished as God promised would happen through his prophets. The northern kingdom of Israel, at the time we're reading in Daniel, had already been taken into exile by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., a number of years before Daniel was, was taken into exile. And then the Babylonians, under King Nebuchadnezzar, conquered not only the Assyrian Empire, but eventually took over much of the known world at the time, stretching from the Mediterranean Sea and what we know as modern-day Turkey and Egypt into part of Saudi Arabia, of what we know as Saudi Arabia, and reaching all the way towards India. So it was a very huge part of the known world at that time. It was extremely large, and their greatest king was Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonians attacked Judah in several stages. And after each stage, they would deport or exile Jews or Jewish captives from Judea. And they would take them to other parts of the country, which was not an unusual thing to take place at this time when these countries were conquering and taking over uh, a region. They would transplant people throughout the kingdom to basically take away the troublemakers and the potential of revolt uh, away from that region. It was uh, uh, pretty harsh, but probably very uh, a very good plan if you were the invading, conquering uh, kingdom to do. And they uh, included Daniel and his three friends that we'll be reading in the book in one of these times They came into Jerusalem, they took a number of people, and they took many of them to the city of Babylon. The book begins its recording with events that take place about 605, so that's about the time frame we're going to be looking at. When Jerusalem was captured and the temple was stripped of its treasures. The temple hadn't been completely destroyed yet, that takes place in a few years after this, but it was gutted. The, the various treasures and, and things that were in the temple were taken and removed to Babylon. In 2 Kings chapter 23 and 24, we have some important details concerning the state of things in Judah that I wanted to read uh, briefly. And it, it's what led to the invasion by the Babylonians and the exile. And uh, just listen to, to some of this summary. Um, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And it talks about his mother and, and the daughter. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. So this king, the Judah, was evil. And the way the, the, the leader went in Israel typically was the way that the, the people followed. They also did evil. In his days, chapter 24, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. And then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Mobites and bands of the Amorites and sent them against Judah to destroy it. According to the word of the Lord that he had spoken by his servants, the prophets. Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them 
out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not pardon. So that kind of builds up to why this is taking place. And now we turn to the first chapter of Daniel. In the first couple of verses there in Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So we see from these two sources that the reason for the exile of the Jews was because their continued and unrepentant sins as a nation against God. They walked away from him, they turned away from him, and they, they wanted to be more like the world. He had warned them for generations through his prophets what would happen if they did this. And it was being fulfilled here in the pages of Daniel. It's important to understand that it was not the might and greatness or military boldness of Nebuchadnezzar that Judah was captured. It was because God chose to use Nebuchadnezzar as his tool to punish his people. And we saw in Second Kings the things that they were doing and why he was so angry at them. But even knowing that background, imagine what's going on in the minds of the Jewish people that are being taken to Babylon. It, it may have appeared to them that God's cause, that his promises to them had been lost. That Nebuchadnezzar and these foreign gods that, that he worshipped were stronger than Jehovah. Think about the promises that God made to Israel and to David. That one of his, his uh, offspring would be on the throne of David forever. But yet, these people are being hauled to Babylon. Think of the confusion. Think of the 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 uncertainty that's going on and trying to figure out, oh no, what? not only what have we done, but what about God's name and his honor and his word? By the time the conquering of Jerusalem is complete, God's holy temple will be completely stripped of his treasures and it's going to be burnt to the ground. Remember, the awesomeness of the, the Solomon's temple that is described in the pages of the Old Testament in particular and what it meant to the people of Israel. That's where they worshipped. That's where they took their tithe. That's where it was a, kind of the central point of all their everyday life. And eventually it was going to be destroyed. And they're going to be in a foreign land. Imagine the turmoil that they're dealing with. It had to be confusing and frightening for many people, if not all of the people. 
God had chosen this particular time and place, though to demonstrate his omnipotence. He is the one with all the power, all the ability of, of uh, doing whatever he wants to do to accomplish his will. And if he removes them from Israel, he is sovereign enough to maintain those covenants and promises that he made with the people. And we'll see as time goes on that 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 does take place. Remember what I said earlier, that the theme that runs throughout the book is that all the affairs of government leaders and nations around the world are subject to God's decrees. It is not Biden that is necessarily making the decisions affecting world history today. It's not Putin. It's God allowing these people, putting them into office and allowing the things to take place for whatever his purpose is with allowing that. He's the one that appointed them. He's the one that's allowing to take place, which is something I think the church needs to understand a little better about like in our government with who's the president. It may not be someone that you necessarily like, but we know from Daniel in particular that God is the one who placed the person in office that is in office. And we're told in the New Testament what to do about that. Does it mean that we have to love the guy or, or gal or whoever it is and, and, and believe in everything that they do, but we're to pray for them and that we're to obey them as long as it doesn't conflict with God's law. But God is sovereign. God is the one who appoints people into leadership in the governments. He is and will accomplish his will and uses the good and evil leaders that are in place to complete it. And this is the case that he used Nebuchadnezzar. At the time of the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, he was the greatest king in the world at the time. It was the strongest and most powerful nation and in, in, in empire at the time. And we'll see as the next couple of chapters, as we look at them, it made Nebuchadnezzar very arrogant and prideful because he thought it was his strength doing it. Because he didn't understand yet that it was Jehovah who allowed the things to take place. And it's in this turmoil that we're introduced to four young Jewish men in the first book of Daniel. Probably only teenagers at the time. And they were either part of the royal family or of some nobility of Judah, according to who was supposed to be selected, that was going to be trained and assimilated into the Babylonian culture. Look at verse uh, 3, starting at verse 3, chapter 1. <clears throat> the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion 
of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Ananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. We are told that these four young men who were victims of the results of the nation's sin, I mean, we see as we read in the next chapter that it wasn't really things that they were doing that they're in exile. Is they're in exile because of the overall sins and rejection of God and his law by the nation and by the rulers. And while they had no decision or choice concerning the circumstances they now face together, they must adjust to live in an ungodly culture. And this is one of the things that we hope to to uh, point out and to explore as we go through this series. How does one live under God's reign in an unbelieving culture? And Daniel and his friends lived in a very unbelieving culture at the time. More specifically, how do we live in our own depraved society and be faithful to God and his law? How do we do that today? Daniel and his friends were in the world, but they were not of the world. Just as we are to live today. Look at verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food and with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave David favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. And then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel and Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So commentators that I was looking at disagree about the reason for their refusal. Several of them actually seem like pretty good arguments. But one of them in particular that I read in the uh, ESV study Bible actually made more sense to me, and I offer it to you as an explanation. 
It says, Daniel and his friends avoided the luxurious diet of the king's table as a way of protecting themselves from being ensnared by the temptations of the Babylonian culture. They used their distinctive diet as a way of retaining their distinctive identity as Jewish exiles and avoiding complete assimilation into Babylonian culture, which was the king's goal with these conquered subjects. With this restricted diet, they continually reminded themselves in this time of testing that they were the people of God in a foreign land and that they were dependent for their food, indeed for their very lives, upon God, their creator, not King Nebuchadnezzar. And I thought that was a good explanation. They resolved to be faithful and trust God not King Nebuchadnezzar. God honored Daniel's trust and allegiance by sovereignly working favorably for him and his friends before the foreign leaders. Not only in making this dietary uh, restrictions work for them, but also as time goes on to uh, give them increase in uh, authority throughout the kingdom. At some point in the future, Daniel will be the third most powerful person in the, in the empire. That's God's working and protecting him and, and his sovereign authority over the affairs of man. Verse 17, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, so three years later now, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, all these exiles that they had been training and taking care of for three years, among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they stood out from all the other youth that had been taken into exile. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them not just wiser, but ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And this was a huge kingdom and probably had a lot of magicians and enchanters and and wise men that stood before the king trying to impress him. But these four Jewish exiles that God has chosen to bless and protect and raise up for his purposes in this kingdom was ten times better than all these others. The results are not because of some awesome sacrifice or efforts by Daniel and his friends. It is God who gave them wisdom and understanding. It is God who gave them the good health and favor with those that were in charge. To the extent that they exceeded the wisdom and understanding of all the wise men of the kingdom. 
Daniel and his friends show us that it is possible to live as a faithful Christian in a society that is opposed to God and to us. I believe as time goes on in our country, as long as we may tarry, we will see more and more pressure from our government and from society to conform to the worldly desires and expectations that are taking over. We already see substantial pressure to agree that women have the right to abort a child because it's her body and disregard the child. Or accept that marriage is not the covenant relationship between one man and one woman. Or a person can be born a male and decide to identify as female. Or even take drastic and permanent harmful steps to try to convert to the opposite sex. These are all foolishness and sinful. How do we resist these secular influences and yet remain a vital and consistent witness for Jesus Christ to those who are around us? Because that's what we're left here for. God knows what's going on in society around us, but he chooses to leave us here, if you're one of his children, to be a witness to those around us and to those very people who are trying to pressure us to make these changes and to become more like the world. How do we accomplish this? How do we remain his ambassador and his example? How are we to remain a light in this dark world? And I think we can learn a lot from Daniel and his friends. And I am looking forward to spending some time in this book over the next weeks. And I think we will see God working in miraculous ways, uh, dealing with this king and with the exiles in, in Daniel. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this holy book of Daniel and your word of all the canon to help us to see how much you love and care for us and to give us answers on that very question. How do we live in a manner that is worthy of our calling and live in a way that we can be the light in this dark world? Thank you for the answers you give us here. Reveal them to us. Thank you for your people and the stories that you have chronicled here in your book that we can read and study to see what is expected of us and how to live in a way that's pleasing to you. We ask that you will help us and your church throughout the world to be a light in this dark world, to offer hope through saving faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and to live in a way that is faithful and consistent to your word as Daniel and his friends example for us. We pray for wisdom, humility, hope, and strength, O oh Father, as we continue to tarry in this world. We pray, though, that through all that takes place, 
you will bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I hope you look, you're looking forward to spending some time in this book. I think it will be eye-opening and encouraging to us as time goes on. We um, celebrate communion here every Sunday in this church. It's a part of our worship and fellowship. And we do uh, offer, if you are visiting with us, if you are a believer, know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We welcome you to join with us in communion. And uh, the way we do this is as we uh, break with the worship team after uh, a moment, come up and pick up a, um, your elements and return to your seat. And we have different options for you. Feel free to pick the one that you want. And then we will... Uh, take communion together uh, once it's been passed out. So, worship team, and come on up and get your element. Take me past the outer courts and through the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people, the priests who sing their praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am. Take me past the outer courts and through the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people, the priests who sing their praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am.
when the Messiah came, when Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. Before he died, he met with his disciples and instituted this time of worship that we are to continue with until he comes again and we enjoy it with him in heaven. And he says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But we are also taking it to remember what it is that he did, the cost, the sacrifice that it took to purchase our salvation. And we look at it for remembrance of his great love for us. That he gave his flesh and his blood for us. But he didn't do it for us to just be sitting around mournful and thinking of his death and thinking like the disciples did initially when he was gone, when they're sitting around going, oh no, (laughs) what do we do now? We're to be thinking about how what he did in his purchasing our salvation has established and given us strength to do to be able to be that light in the dark world that I mentioned earlier that scripture teaches. So as we take this together, remember the costs. Remember his promises. Remember that he's with us and strengthens us. Remember that he God is sovereign and that he reigns and that he is in control today. That no matter what's taking place around us, we don't have to ultimately fear that because we are given a glimpse of what the end looks like. We have hope. And let's celebrate all that together as we take the bread and Paul teaches, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. And in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup It's the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. God bless you. Remember whose child you are this week. Go out there and not only seek to seek God's face day to day to build up your own spiritual walk. But remember that you're representing him out there, which is a scary thing sometimes. So, Father, thank you for your many blessings. We pray that you will help us, Lord, to um, leave these doors and not forget whose child we are.
We love you. We know you love us. And we pray that you will give us strength this week to accomplish all that you want us to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side was flowed. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy laws demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to Thee for dress, helpless look to Thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see the on my judgment throne, rock of ages left for me. Let me hide myself in thee.